Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 74 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. And my name is Kyle, and I'm flying solo for the moment because this is uh, the second episode of January. And you know what the second episode of the month means. It's our Daikaiju discussion episode. And this month we're going to be looking at Godzilla Raids again. And uh, we actually have some other cool stuff to talk about. And... Um, I would love to spend more time doing this intro, but holy smokes, we talked for a long, long time with our guests. But we're going to go ahead and get things started with the first request, which is for the main title from Godzilla King of the Monsters for Connor.
I don't know if I've ever played any music that's as hissy as that was. So those are some, you know, really old recordings. So you can't really get on the uh, the, <laughs> the soundtrack people for, for not having some very good noise control there. But anyway, we started things off there with the main theme from Godzilla King of the Monsters uh, by, of course, Akira Ifukube, which was for Connor. And then I followed that up with Godzilla Located, which is by Masaru Sato from Godzilla Raids Again. One thing you may notice if you have watched the, this month's movie uh, in the Japanese version, or if you just are familiar with soundtracks, is that Masaru Sato has done a ton of Godzilla movies, or, you know, a large handful, let's say. And all of the soundtracks are very unique. Uh, some of them sound sort of spy-like, and some of them sound sort of like, yeah, I don't know, like dancey kind of old, you know, not not new dance, but like swing dancey kind of stuff. Anyways, very, very, uh, very different work from Mr. Sato or Sato-san. And uh, basically, I played that one track, not just because it's this month's movie, but I, I kind of wanted to actually showcase that he has this range and this movie, I really think he was trying to evoke the same sort of like doom and gloom from the very first Godzilla movie um, in Godzilla Raids again. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that movie right about now, actually, because once again, class, it is time for our Dai Kaiju discussions every month. The Kaiju cast showcases one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listener with submitting thoughts, questions and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this show will keep going for a long, long time. This month's film is Gojira no Gyakushu, which I think is how you say that. It translates loosely to Godzilla's counterattack, and the English version of this film is now known as Godzilla Raids Again. This film has a really interesting history, almost more interesting than the movie itself. In addition to the renaming of the American version of the film to Gigantus the Fire Monster, it was originally going to be heavily edited to remove Japanese actors and new scenes were to be shot, not just scenes with American actors inserted into the film, a la uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, but totally new scenes with monster suits added as well. Uh, there's some really cool information out there on this movie and we get into some of it, but you know, honestly, we didn't have, uh, time to cover everything. So, uh, I, I highly encourage people to seek that information out via books or audio commentaries or whatever. There's just way too much about this film that you should know about as, uh, not only the listener, but as Godzilla fan. Uh, so speaking of Godzilla fans, here's what we fans had to say in the studio. I'm sitting here with Dave Helfrey. How you doing? And Brian and Rachel Cook. Hello. Hi. And we just finished watching the American version of Godzilla Raids Again, uh, which, you know, a lot of times I, I start off and say, oh, well, who here, you know, who's seen this how many times and so forth? This was my first time seeing the American version ever. So uh, what about you guys? It was my first time watching the American version as well. And we just watched the Godzilla or the Japanese version, the G the Godzilla version, uh, <laughs> the which I guess version. technically, yeah. technically that would it be was the, the yeah. Godzilla version because yeah. this was Gigantus, the fire monster. Yep. And uh, it, I, I think before we started, we had some concerns, like, well, which one is this going to be? Is right. this going to be like Godzilla raids again or Gigantus, the fire monster? What's the difference? And uh, apparently, it was Gigantus, the fire monster, because that. Uh, the thing that said Godzilla Raids again was definitely a 
digitally or video insert. It was not yeah. part of the original film. It really looked video-ish. I'm yeah. not even 100 percent sure that typeface that uh, was event was around in 1959. <laughs> yeah, so. Are we going to yeah. font nerd this up? That um, would be awesome. I'm not sure. There's like so there's going to be a bigger font nerd than me out there saying, "No, it's been around since 1944." <laughs> I don't know, but uh, this is my second time for seeing this one. Yeah, for the American version, I haven't seen the Japanese version, and now I feel that I've been cheated. Uh, well, agree, yeah. you can come back over and watch the Japanese <laughs> I might version. Ha- I might have to just to get the taste out of my mouth. I would like to say that uh, the Japanese version is better. I, my my impression of the Japanese film uh, was that, for the most part, I I didn't really hold it very high in the in the list of Godzilla m- movies out there. And I typically would say it's a pretty boring film, but it has one gigantic redeeming quality. And then a couple of other little things that are kind of cool about it. But, I mean, the American version is interesting in and of itself. But everything about this, both films, for me, uh, is it's more interesting to, like, learn about the the behind-the-scenes stuff, (laughs) which I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit in in this discussion. Uh, And before we really get started, I would like to implore all of the listeners out there to actually watch this 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 version of the movie from classic media and uh check out the the commentary by steve rifle because he has um ed gojuseski and uh stuart galbraith i believe are both in the in the commentary as well and they do a fantastic job and it's really really heavily informative way way more information than you're going to hear from us for yahoos so (laughs) make sure if you have the dvd and you've just been like oh i don't uh I don't deal with commentaries. You got to break through that wall and, and listen to it because it's amazing. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess. I, I'm well, sorry. Brian. I'm sorry. I'm ruining the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's real. It's verite. It's fine. It's, it's like fine. It's happening. So uh, it's in the moment. So initial thoughts of Godzilla Raids again, the American version. I mean, we've already heard Dave say that he wishes we had watched the Japanese yeah, version. You know, but I mean, in, in, in American or Japanese, like I think why I, why I like it is one, first Anguirus. I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. great because, I mean, who doesn't love Anguirus? It seems like that's just crazy fan favorite Godzilla sidekick slash foe in like in all the movies kind of thing. But, I mean, and I guess this is, you know, this is also the granddaddy of monster-on-monster action. Oh, absolutely. Which is why I watch these things. You know, I think that's why they became popular. I mean... Sure. um, You know, and when you sort of take it in that historical context, and it's like, oh, yeah, Godzilla raids again. I've seen that. That's, you know... Of course, it's important because it's the very first one. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Sequel, too. And a quickie sequel, as is described in the uh, the commentary. But basically, uh, I want to say that within in less than a year, this movie was released in in, in theaters in Japan after the first Godzilla film was. Mm. Yeah, I heard six months. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, I wanted to say something along those lines, but I don't like saying. Things I don't know if they're not right. right. <laughs> for those, no, for those of you who have seen, That's why the I say Japan- I heard. <laughs> for those of you who have seen the Japanese version. Is there any explanation at the beginning of the movie why Godzilla is so less dead than he is at the end of the? Uh, uh, no, sorry, no yeah. but if you watch the Jap- if you watch the 
the first movie and you know the japanese version of the first movie yeah uh dr yamane at the end says that you know we'll we could definitely see more of these monsters show up oh. and i know that Sequel. i've heard yeah, right there, there i've heard theories posited that uh these are definitely that it's a definitely a second monster and i've even heard a theory that uh, the first monster in, in Godzilla was male, and then Gigantus was actually a female, which is why you get Son of Godzilla and stuff like that. But sure. that that's uh, I think that's fan <coughs> fan speak, really. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, that's that's connecting a lot of dots that I don't yeah. like exist. I don't like those <laughs> dots, really, personally. Godzilla Godzilla is always refer, almost always referred to as him in the movies, so. Right. Godzilla's a dude, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. okay. In, in the Japanese version, Yamane, uh, who's playing Yamane from the first film, which isn't yep, really yeah. mentioned in the American dub. Uh, Along but, with a million other things. Yeah, a yeah. lot of other things. <laughs> but when he shows the clip show of footage from the original Godzilla film, he yeah. explains uh, that this has to be another Godzilla that's shown up. So Yeah. And yeah. then it seems like also in the American version, they said that... When they were going through the dinosaur book, they talk about how Anguirus, or I guess they refer to the actual monster or dinosaur that it was based off of, oh, they, um, the could go into hibernation. They go into mm-hmm. that weird bit yeah. about how yeah. <laughs> it hibernates for several years, possibly, and so maybe that was a reference huh. to how they were able to get Godzilla back into that. But I mean, after the oxygen destroyer, I'm sorry, that wasn't hibernation that was a, no that definitely skeletons was regrow yeah. <laughs> the rest of the body that's, that's how godzilla sauruses sauri hibernate yes. yeah. yeah yeah by dying by dying, by dying. Right. <laughs> they look like and they're they, disappearing they're really basically just going invisible that's they see the first their skin goes invisible <laughs> then the muscles and then the skeleton and then you can't see them and then they're just asleep at the bottom of the ocean. It doesn't make any less sense than a giant fire-breathing dinosaur. So it's like, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah. 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 I can get behind that. Yeah. Now, so Brian and Rachel, you guys uh, watched the Japanese version. Was it today? Like yeah. earlier today? Earlier today, right before Look we came them over. Them do their homework. That is yeah. so impressive. I am definitely not in that camp. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was snowboarding earlier today, though, yeah, so I had a pretty good excuse. So, uh, you know, as far as the two different versions, what do you like best? Like, what do you like the Japanese version better, right? Oh, quite yes. a bit. I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to put you on the spot like, if you're here in this room with all these toys around and you're talking about <laughs> kaiju, you've got to like the Japanese version. But, I mean, well, there's, we made, there's such we a made huge some, difference between the two. We made some negative comments as the movie was going along in terms of what was different. Oh, yeah. Each other. Yes. But, um yeah, there was it, the Japanese version was quite a bit better. Um, I find that movie actually to be pretty likable. I like the human cast, and I like everything about the Japanese version pretty much. But the American, the dub is really bad. And I haven't seen the dub since I was a little kid, and I had a VHS of Godzilla Raids again. So I was really, I was never a big fan of it back then. But seeing the dub, I liked it, and I always wondered why I didn't like it, and now that answer has been answered for me. It's the dub and the inserted footage, the the crazily inserted American footage. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of Rodan, which is is the movie for next month, but, uh, you know, I grew up with seeing the American version of Rodan where they've got, like, you know, the hydrogen bombs being set off in the beginning Mm -hmm. and the, the guy with the countdown and... 
Uh, I'm used to that kind of stuff, but in this movie, it was absolutely excessive. I mean, yeah. just crazy that amounts was, of stock footage. There, I mean, that and was weird, footage of... crazy mismatched well, stuff. I mean, some of that stuff was like... That was from like the original One Million Years B.C. with Victor Mature, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was the guys the, in the dinosaur in the di- suits in the dinosaur walking around walking in the around. desert. Yeah. That, I'm not mistaken. That's what that's from. Right? I think so. Jeez. I know it's from... It, I at least know it's from another... Uh, sci-fi film from the era. Yeah, so. I think it's. I mean, just crazy stock footage. In that now, thing. I, I think I, I'm, I'm guessing our discussion here is going to be a little disjointed because we're going to talk about the weird stuff we saw and what we liked and so Ooh, forth. But not a weird. Uh, but the for that particular point, you know, we saw guys in dinosaur suits walking around in a desert in one shot, and another shot was like a Gila monster attacking a uh, sculpture of <laughs> looked like it was made out of Play-Doh of another dinosaur. Uh, was, was, and then was another a, one, there was, was a, a puppet. It was a, it was a Gila monster and a, and a, and a rhinoceros iguana. Oh, was that a real? It was real. It was, yeah, it was real. It, it had that it had like the the dinosaur horns glued on it. Yeah. Oh my god! And they put the fins. on That the might monsters. that honestly, I don't rem- don't completely remember. That could also have been from one mil- the original one million years BC. Oh yeah, because they had they had the same mishmash of guys in suits and you know the 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 you know the 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 lizards with rubber horns glued on them. What about and the uh, little puppet guys sticking their heads that out? That one, the, the one that looks like the, the one that's like a baby from a razor head. Yeah, I have. <laughs> it, to, it was the baby from a razor head. I don't, you know, I have. I am stumped as to where that came from. It yeah, was that's just so weird. I'm thinking so weird. I'm thinking that they just the art department just whipped that up in an afternoon and they stopped a camera in front of it. I mean, they're, yeah. there could not have been more than 45 minutes of preparation in that shot. Yeah, yeah. And that that scene in the Japanese version is literally Imani just saying like, "Here's what happened." last time godzilla did this and it's silent and you just see footage from godzilla there's none of that like narration of like yeah in the beginning blah blah blah, blah, blah. well there wouldn't be yeah. i mean if you're if you're approaching the film realistically you yeah. you know they're what yamane would be bringing to uh <laughs> they, it wouldn't be a movie it would be bringing like news footage here's actual yeah. footage of yeah. either if it's from the news or from like yeah. some military uh, cameramen that were that were recording that stuff didn't have sound. Yeah, yeah. So well, it sometimes like, it you did. Know, but, remember yeah. last year when this happened? Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you know, and Tokyo gets destroyed. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other thing. And, in the Japanese cut, he's kind of like just refreshing people. But in the English dub, we just saw it's almost like those guys weren't aware of the original Godzilla attack, so they're yeah. all watching it like, huh. This is fascinating. Or, or how, or or the story, the weird story of dinosaurs as yeah. far as oh, what, yeah. the, you know, they believed in 1957. Well, and, and even the film in general just starts with a whole different vibe, like where they say, like, this is a fishing village and life here is like this. Not even any of that footage was yeah, in the Japanese yeah. version. That's oh, lifted see, from I another like the film Jap- as well. I like the Japanese version better already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... Um, uh, one of the things that Steve Rifle was talking about in the commentary was that if you were alive and uh, you know aware of the world in 1955 or you know 57 when it came over to America, right? 57 is that when it came? I thought over? it was 59. Yeah. 59. 59. Okay, America, so when yeah. sorry, pardon me. 59. No. <laughs> I'll keep that in. Make sure I don't edit that out. Uh, in 59, when you know people were thinking about Japan, they weren't thinking that. You know, Japan is a booming, technologically advanced, or not advanced, but, you know, on par with America. They think of, like, rice farmers, and that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that even even in 
Oh my god, when did Karate Kid 2 come out? Like 1986 or something like that? They're like, uh, what's the matter, Dave? You don't like the Karate Kid? You know, I've never seen the Karate Kid movies. Uh, Okay, well, that's fine. I've never seen Goonies either. Oh, wow. I know. See, there's like a bunch of those like 80s movies that I completely missed somehow. Wow. I guess I was was too busy watching all the horror movies. That's good. That's That's good. I'm just in a little bit of shock, but the, uh, (laughs) back to the point, like if, like when I watched Karate Kid 2, they live in like a Japanese village and, you know, you don't get to see Tokyo. Yeah. They're wherever they are. That's totally what I assumed Japan was. And that was in like mid 80s, you know? So imagine in 1959, uh, the the people in America probably thought that a majority of Japan, if not all of Japan, was the rice farmers and right. you know the the people. But there were people. Uh, I I don't know. There well, was that just was a, only you know that was that was only sixteen years after Pearl Harbor, so it's like oh yeah, they probably yeah. thought. Well, no, I guess it was eighteen years, but I mean the the um, forty five, right? And I thought World War Two ended in forty five. Oh. Uh, you know, some I ain't a history guy. I could be completely wrong. I anyway, like ours. Less For, than forty-one years, was Pearl Harbor. Less than okay. yeah, le- 41. yeah, forty-one. Right. So it's like so. So we're like eighteen years after Pearl Harbor. It's like I would imagine a lot of those guys wanted to think that Japan was technologically emasculated. Probably, you know, yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. um, uh, but knew better. Yeah. You know, so you know, I think I think maybe. You know, you know, actually, that just occurred to me because the 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 commentary, the narr- the narration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that opening part is like, I mean, just that just that horrible, pedantic sort of chamber of commerce sort of uh, monologue just yeah. you know, going on, and it kind of makes me wonder if the if the producer didn't. Uh, didn't jam that in there because you know in order to make everything seem so harmless and idyllic. Just a theory. Just a theory. Do, you know, I mean, I've absolutely. I mean, this just popped in my head right now. I'm 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 doing field surgery here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's so. possible. I mean, I think that uh, I really do think that you know, outside. Nah, this sounds like I'm ragging on America, which is where I live. Uh, but outside of, you know, what goes on in someone's daily life, you know, I would imagine a majority of people generally think that, you know, if they have no, uh, if they have no direct knowledge of a country, like they have to basically go off of what they've heard or what they've seen in the news or maybe in like what right. Steve Rifle saying in the, in the commentary is like Time Magazine would have things about Japanese flower arrangements and some very, you know, like what we saw in the movie. We saw a whole bunch of uh, uh, geisha-like women playing the their instruments right. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's just, it's just for me. It's one of those things where I I find it weird that that it's like that, but it doesn't. It's not that weird. It's not because it's. I almost find it typical of of uh, of movie making. It's like, yeah, you know. This is sure. This is what's going on in real life, but uh, we're just going to show you what you think you know, right? Right about the films, right? Yeah, no, that's entirely possible. Yeah, but anyway, that was a long <laughs> exposition about uh, about just that initial part. There's a ton of stock footage in here. You know what else? There's a ton of 
is stock music. We don't get to hear any of the original score in the Japanese, in the oh, American wow. version. It was yeah. all taken from other movies, and like I want to say, I Steve actually. Let's call him Steve now. Uh, Mr. Rifle <laughs> so, Steve. read off some of the movies. My buddy were, Steve. Like, uh, and I, I'm don't, not really familiar with them, but it's all, you know, like stock library, almost essentially kind of stuff that you hear. And it's just nonstop and the narration and just very, it's, it's an interesting take on making a movie. And some, some of the decisions I don't understand personally, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. The music being dubbed out, I've never understood why they've, uh, there is some movies that have come to America and they take the soundtrack completely out and replace it with stock, like in this case. And yeah. also with uh, King Kong versus Godzilla is the biggest example of it. I was but, just watching Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster the other day, and uh, it's amazing the the lack of a Fukube yeah. score in that movie. It's just the American version or the... It's got to be the American version because they have yeah. a whole bunch of stuff I've heard before. In fact, there's one one in particular thing that um, it's uh, if you're familiar with Ghidra the Three Headed Monster, it's when they're sort of uh, hiking through the woods in the mountains to get to Ghidra's sort of asteroid egg, and uh, the music that they're using is like sort of like a creepy. I'm not going to try and make the sounds with my mouth, but that would be ridiculous. But I've heard it. It was used in Ren and Stimpy at one point. Oh, wow. and I, that's how, was that's a, why I know it, it so a much. Was it theremin or something like no, that? No, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that kind of creepy. It was like uh, flutes and, and uh, wind instruments and stuff like that. Mm, but it was, okay. it was, it, I could definitely play it for you. Cause I know exactly where it is in the movie, but sure. it's that, that's kind of thing. Like replacing an entire soundtrack putting footage in a movie what was the the japanese running time was over 80 minutes and the <laughs> american version was 79 just not, just or something under, like yeah. that yeah so it was like they just took a whole bunch of stuff out cut a whole bunch of stuff well, out and then yeah, at, the, at the, the end added some stuff in <laughs> yeah it's weird that they added all the stuff they did obviously but one of the things that they cut out that we were talking about rachel and i was uh in the final act of the movie i guess it's not really structured as a three-act movie but in the final part of it um whenever they they're at the bar they're at the sake bar yeah and they kind of hear there's a whole kind of elaborate set piece there where uh like it's a big celebration it's kind of built up there's a lot more dialogue there's a lot more dialogue for kobayashi okay you really get to actually have Kind of you, you kind of fall in love with the character at that point, so it's much, much oh. more of a bummer when he dies. So that's good because, like, with the exception of being confused about like who he was in love with and who yeah. was that photograph and his his journal, I didn't really feel any connection to Kobayashi at yeah. all. Um, I and I mean I don't know about you guys, but like the, the clearly the main characters in the in the movie to me were. Uh, were oh my god hiroshi koizumi's uh, characters uh Yoka, yeah. and uh and his lady but right. i mean i guess kobayashi he really counts as like a secondary character whatever the <coughs> word is that they use in the oscars for uh not uh, supporting, supporting actor, supporting actor. <laughs> that's it 
Yeah. I don't watch. I was about to say award shows. I was about to say dude or protagonist. But I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. I wasn't going to drop that one. Uh, I was going to so say Tom Arnold. Best man, like, Tom you, Arnold. You know, he's like you know, you know, yeah, it's kind of the Tom the Tom Arnold part. Yeah. yeah, I think it was harder to take him seriously in the American version too because of the the voice. The acting, voice, oh, man. Okay, so who did the voice, Rachel? Daz Butler. All right, and who who is Daz? How would listeners know who Daz Butler is? Yogi Bear. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's funny. I love hearing the voice actors though, like even though some of their dialogue is just atrocious. Yeah, we uh, should mention George Takei. George Takei. We. I was actually like. Uh, at one point, Dave was like, did he say something about prisoners? And I was like, ah, crap. I wasn't paying attention. I was listening to see if the, the announcer was George Takei. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the George Takei voiced at least, I think, five pieces in there mm-hmm. that were just like little, so. mostly announcements or, or uh, somebody who's just a, a quick... Exposition. Yeah, yeah, quick guy in there, but... You know, for the most part, you, he wasn't in the movie. I think he does more in Rodan. But, um, yeah, I mean, the voice actors, they sound good. I guess it, it, they reference the banana oil line on a Conan O'Brien episode, I guess. We read about that today. Yeah. Well, the banana oil. Banana oil. Ba- that sh- <laughs> we so should weird. focus on that for a second. <laughs> a little bit of banana oil. Okay, so I don't. Uh, I don't know the full story behind banana oil. I know it was an old, outdated saying uh, when it when the movie came out. Oh, that know? was a saying. I thought it was just nonsense. No, uh, it was an old saying, like um, wow. like the bee's rap, knees, or, or yeah, rapscallion, something yeah. you don't hear anymore. <laughs> Uh, but wow. you know, at, I think uh, what I heard was that at the time when in 1959 when the movie came out, it was still kind of like, why would they say that word? And yeah. the reason they used the word banana oil, and Dave, we talked about this a little bit during the movie, is that you know whoever's creating the dialogue for the, uh, the dub. American dub, they're trying what you know is probably their best to match up words to what the Japanese actors mouths are doing. So where he says in the Japanese version, bakaro, which means idiot or Yeah. He calls his girlfriend dummy. a bonehead, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's pretty much what's going on in the scene. Yeah. That's because she place. has her in his net. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, uh, they were in their special place yeah. on the rooftop. Yeah, on the rooftop. But uh yeah, so he says bakaro and she uh and they were like, well I guess we could say something that starts with a B there, and like so they chose banana oil, and it's uh they it's, could have gotten away with anything. Probably <laughs> that was ridiculous. Probably, but it was uh it's one of those things. There, it's this. This is what I was talking about earlier. Like the stories behind the movie are more interesting than the movie itself, even though that's not a super interesting thing. It's created a lot of. Uh, and yet still more buzz interesting in than a that sense. Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's created a lot of buzz in, in a sense for a that t-shirt. word, banana oil. Yeah. Mm, interesting. I'd have to <laughs> utilize that somehow in the future. Uh, but yeah, banana oil and like um, <laughs> this, the other things that are interesting to me about the behind the scenes stuff in this is I don't. Did, did you guys read about the volcano monsters? Like just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Just a so, tiny little bit. uh, I, oh, man, seriously, listen to the commentary. That's what I would have to say. Uh, the, or read 
uh, Stuart Galbraith's book, because I'm sure he probably mentions that a little bit. Steve Rifle's book definitely mentions it in there, too. Uh, basically, there were um, there was an, an alternate version of the movie written called The Volcano Monsters. And the idea was to take all of the Japanese footage. And uh, apparently it was all, like, detailed, logged in detail, uh which scenes were what and so forth. And they were going to pull out whatever studio this was or whatever people were behind it. We're going to pull out all of the Japanese actors. And so all that they had left was special effects footage. And then they were going to reshoot their own movie. But in order to do, to make their vision complete, they actually had to shoot new monster footage. So the full power Rangers treatment. Yes, yeah. but the but they had to shoot the new monster footage too in America. So somehow they convinced Toho to send them an Angulus suit and a Godzilla suit. And so in a studio in I don't remember where it is, but I'm sure California and Hollywood. Uh I don't know remember what studio it was, but in the studio uh some people came across this these crates marked Godzilla and Angulus. It was Bob Burns who's worked on lots and lots of movies. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it was like invasion of the saucer people or it conquered the world or something like that. And they were, there was a gigantic explosion. And uh, seriously, I cannot stress this enough. Listen to the commentary because he actually has Bob Burns come in and talk uh, about this particular thing on the commentary. Um, they said, oh, well, we need to, they've got, we've got a big saucer explosion where they're really blowing it up. So we've got to find a place to hide so we don't get hurt by the debris. And so they hide behind these crates and like Bob Burns looks at the crate and it's got a whole bunch of Japanese on it. And it says like Godzilla suit and Angulus suit. And they, they crack them open and like the movie is in black and white, but supposedly the Angulus suit is sort of reddish. Which was wow. which was interesting. Anyway, it's a really cool story. Um, I if I wasn't worried about you know angering the gods of uh, Toho or my fellow fan historians, then I would probably just play it right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not going to do that to them. Uh, <laughs> so, so instead, buy the classic. Yeah, media it's DVD. on the classic media DVD, and it's it's just a fascinating tale. And so, I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically, it. It didn't happen. They didn't shoot the new stuff, and those because suits... Bob Burns stole the costumes <laughs> in there, in his basement. In his massive collection, yeah. probably. Uh, and that's, that's not true. Bob Burns does not have those suits, as far as everybody <laughs> that knows. That we know of. Yeah. But he does have a massive collection. He does have a massive collection of stuff. He, that includes uh, the King Kong armature. He does have the original King Kong out. armature, oh, yeah. he's got some stuff. Man. Anyway, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. That's what makes... Uh, Gigantus, the fire monster, or Godzilla raids again, or the even volcano the volcano monsters. monsters, more interesting to me because of their behind the scenes sort of like, here's how this came about. Uh, and my lovely neighbors with the rumbly car outside. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's what makes that this movie more interesting to me than than it is just like on the surface. Um, did you guys have any favorite moments of the movie? Like anything that really, or or maybe just stood out to you? Like, oh, that was interesting the way they did this or that or so so forth. Like maybe the the film speed they used. I'm prodding. 
That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of, actually. <laughs> well, I I thought it was really interesting to see the, the fight sequences of how fast it appeared that the monsters were fighting and how herky-jerky it felt to me. <laughs> it was Yeah, they didn't really different. have a consistent film speed that they were shooting at, did they? No. Yeah, and reading about it earlier today, it sounds like, I guess whoever was doing the hand crank was he thought he was supposed to be going and i might be saying this backwards but going a lot faster than usual or maybe it was slower I can't he's remember. supposed to he's supposed, supposed to be, to be going, over cranking it so you're putting more frames in front of the aperture and he under cranked it instead right so everything looks way faster than it's supposed Whoops. to be yeah, yeah. And but apparently subaraya looked at the footage and was like yeah it works yeah. So, <laughs> Which, you know, I'm sure doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they're destroying things that can't be rebuilt <laughs> yeah. easily. But, right. But, yeah, I, I I find that actually very, not disturbing, but I very jarring, actually. I've seen other movies where they don't have it. We talked about it from Frankenstein Conquers the World mm-hmm. because, um, and they did a better job of it, obviously, but, right. you know, some scenes are filmed in almost like, normal ratio and some are only slowed down a little bit and some are slowed down a lot more and it's just like please pick a pick a speed Um, now granted this is the second godzilla movie the first time he's ever fought anyone and sure they don't know what they're doing they're probably feeling around a whole bunch obviously some trial and error going on in there uh, so I'm not going to, you know, damn the film about that particular aspect of it. But it was interesting to me. You know, it's another behind the scenes weird thing that just kind of like, wow, that's bizarre that that's how that happened. And it's it's I find it intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you guys really want to talk about for this particular film? I like the character design, actually. When you, when you kind of stop and think about it, it's like we're going to have a monster and it's going to fight Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the, I think the the way that they designed Anguirus was actually really smart. The way that they the way that they differentiated the two monsters, still making them both giant reptiles, but basically sort of you know doing riffing off the classic, um, Tyrannosaurus versus uh, Tyrannosaurus versus Triceratops or Tyrannosaurus versus Stegosaurus, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing where you've got the you know the, the smaller quadruped. The, the qua- well, yeah, versus, they, yeah. N- not necessarily smaller. I mean, they, they look like they were like pretty oh, size yeah, yeah, wise. Yeah. You know, pretty good. But you, you know, you got the quadruped, and then you got the one with the. You know, it's like he's now he's a quadruped, and he's got a, he's got all this protection on his back. Yeah. And so you know, from from sort of um, mimicking, even though Angerus is also very much a an alpha predator, the way that they set it up in that. Magic Book of Dinosaurs, which <laughs> describes how you know this this monster has the power to destroy the human race. Yeah, uh, even it's like it's like what you know this this extremely prophetic dinosaur book that they uh, you know that they that they got their hands on. Pray but, he never resurfaces. <laughs> but um, but I do think it's like it was a it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, and then and then and then the next movie, he, you know, his Godzilla's foe is a giant gorilla. Yeah. So you know, it's you know, you know, these are these are good choices as opposed to later on where it's like, uh, guys fighting Godzilla. Um, uh, how about a robot version of Godzilla? Yeah, that works. Let's do that. It's like a uh, Godzilla from space. Yeah, that works. Let's do that. And they start, you know. 
Yeah. You know, before they started putting a little thought into it again. Well, so, I would definitely. I agree with you about uh, the. You know, you know from, the, just from the, a character design. Just standpoint. even, I think, even I think just the smart. dinosaurian was, sort of I think it was, battles. You know, it's something and then, that and then Rodan, I, I saw. And then, then the next one's and the next one's a flying one. You know, so yeah. they were they were like they were. I think I think they were they were did a good job at mining the archetypes. Yeah. You know, early on in the uh, in the series. And yeah, and really, really, really getting. I mean, their original creature designs. I want to say Varan was the first one that was kind of like out there, like because yeah, yeah. I mean Godzilla squirrel thing. And everything Godzilla like really looks like like some sort of dinosaur. Like yeah, like right. they've said it before, a cross between a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Stegosaurus. And yeah. Angulus looks very much like an Ankylosaurus, and uh, Rodan looks very very similar to a Tyrannodon yeah. or a Pterodactyl, which. Uh, you'll hear me talk about a lot in next month's Dykeidra discussion, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, but yeah, just like that kind of thing, keeping keeping that going, and then all of a sudden Varan shows up, which is a gorgeous monster, but it's not very reminiscent. Maybe of a flying squirrel, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, not very reminiscent of uh, anything that we've seen in our dinosaur books. Or well, that's or why so I'm saying that's why I always liked Ghidorah. Oh yeah, because then you because then you know not only does it have the 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 crazy departure from from Earth dinosaurs right and everything, but it's also even got that you know with with the uh, um, that sort of J- Japanese mythological horn arrangement on its heads and everything like that, and really making it look like making making it mythic as opposed to. You know, prehistoric. Yeah, and, and yeah, and yeah. So that's he's always been my favorite. Cool, very cool. So, uh, anything else or? Uh, well, I mean, Angulus. I love Angulus. I, I guess I gotta say that he's easily probably my favorite monster behind Godzilla. He's so. a fan fave. Okay, sidebar. You guys say Angurus or Angulus? Both depends on the conversation. Really, well, really. Yep. I've always said Angulus, but. I do say both. I try to adapt to what other people say. I, I've always said Varen, but whenever I'm around you, I usually say Varan because I notice yeah. it. And that's yeah. what I've noticed in also commentaries. People say it that way, too. Yeah, so. Sometimes I say Varan. Well, now, I, too, maybe, so. maybe I was <laughs> – maybe it was right. just sort of my bias, but I thought in the in Godzilla Raids again here, I thought I heard him call it an Angelosaurus, also known as an Anguirus. Yes. Oh, definitely. That is what I thought I yeah. heard. So they that, definitely you know, say it. So they're pretty much they're muddying the waters on their own, right mm-hmm. there. I don't think you know. Yeah. Well, it's that's it's the same sort of thing. Like, uh, is it Tajima or Tajima? You know, mm-hmm. like it depends on who you're listening to. I think, but I I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. Go, yeah. Like, uh, some I think someone recently wrote to me and said oh i thought it was this and i was like nope you're wrong it's this it's <laughs> like, that's a, it's actually one of the that's one of the kaiju names that i mumble a lot because i'm not just yeah. you know just for that it's like oh that's angry <laughs> i also like i also like uh angulus because it's easier to spell than angurus yeah that's true but anyway, yeah. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah. so Brian, you really like Angulus? I do. I I love Angulus quite a bit. And now, do uh, you like him? How do you like him in this movie compared to, let's say, Destroy All Monsters or Godzilla vs. Gigan? Well, honestly, I didn't see this movie until well after I'd seen Megalon and Destroy All Monsters and Gigan and all those. So, my version in my head of Angulus was the '70s version. Oh, okay. Right and on. So, this version to me is always. Not been 
as interesting. It still looks great. And one thing that I've always been confused by is in promotional footage, or not footage, but pictures, there's pictures of Angulus with his back kind of opened up like its wings. And that's like ladybug wings. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange. Mm. That makes me wish I had done more research to find out the answer to this question. I don't know what it is either. I'm going to guess the costume was coming apart during during the still. Well, I'm kind of wondering if maybe uh, maybe that that was something that they they thought was a feature, not a bug. Yeah, you know, or maybe it's something from Volcano Monsters that never really came uh, to fruition. I'm just glad that during Final Wars he finally rolled up in a ball. Yeah. I was waiting for that one. I'm just like, why doesn't he roll up in a ball? He's totally built for rolling up into a ball. And then like, <laughs> you had to wait all the way till Final Wars to see him roll up in a ball. And you know, like, in the video games, uh, that's how you can play Angulus. Is like you can you can yeah, roll you him can. into a ball and like <laughs> slam into your opponent. Because why wouldn't you? Exactly. You know, I like it totally the, makes sense. I like the ball formation, but I gotta admit the Final Wars Angulus suit. I hate his eyes look too close. Really. Really? Okay. Interesting. I actually thought thought he was kind of interesting. I thought it was weird they did the sort of forward facing spikes as opposed to the Right. I like either the spikes. Straight up yeah. ones or the ones coming back. Uh so uh Rachel, did you have anything else you wanted to, to mention? Because there is one more thing I wanted to talk about. I just wanna point out that I in the god the Japanese version I I cried when Kobayashi died. That's how close I felt to that character because of the extra scenes and because they show, I think they just, they just developed him a lot better in that. And overall, I'm a bigger fan of that version. Really likable in the Japanese version. He was. I, I really came to like that guy and it really bothered me when he died and it felt like there was a much bigger impact overall on the movie, but um, in the American version, I mean, yeah, it's like when Randy Quaid died in no Independence idea. Day. It's like, oh, good, yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't care. Okay, so actually, there's two things I want to bring up. One uh, has to do with what we were just talking about, Angulus or Angurus, and uh, what you know, why was his roar used for Godzilla so oh. much, and mm. even switched sometimes. And uh, Dave, one of the things you mentioned when we were watching the movie is you said it's just sloppy. But that was, I, my, that was my gut. Yeah, but like I, I have to say, like if you're, and I'm just saying this, I'm repeating this for the for the listener, obviously. But yeah, I mean, if somebody's in the studio or the editing bay, they would actually have to pull that out of the original film stock, or or uh, let's just say the mix. The They'd have to pull mix. it out of the yeah. mix. And like swap it out, so that was definitely like some sort of deliberate, mm-hmm. m- you know, decision on somebody's part. And like maybe it was just the people that were making the movie. Like the same reason they didn't call him Godzilla, they called him Gigantus. They right. you know didn't want people going, oh, that sounds like Godzilla. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was one thing. And then the other thing, uh, this is specifically actually i wanted to talk to brian and rachel about this sorry dave because we didn't watch the japanese version tonight but um the japanese version has uh while i think it's kind of a it's a little bit of a bland film i do think that the japanese version of godzilla raids again has the most um not intense but tense moment in a godzilla film i've ever seen and that's the scene where they black out Osaka and everybody just seems to be completely on edge. 
and Godzilla's coming and the planes fly over him and they drop the the light flares you know the which are used again in Varan but uh and he starts to turn away and everybody breathes the sigh of relief and then those jackholes crash their <laughs> car into the they they crash their oops their Caltex oil truck into the oil refinery and create the the giant explosion. It was so to me that was so amazing that I actually wanted to create my own diorama with uh, the whole freaking like Osaka nice. Bay and like <laughs> Godzilla out in the bay and the planes on wires, you know, like dropping Flying like out. a little LED light thing. And then with the explosion in the background and Godzilla facing away from Osaka, but sort of just turning back. Like, yeah. such an amazing concept. And they just totally glossed over it yeah, it's, in the yeah. American version. It was, it wasn't even, I mean, they barely talked about the blackout and it was like so not tense. It just, ah, it's, it's ruined a, the scene for me. If you watch both versions, it's a real, uh, it makes a real case for, um, just how different something can be edited and how it makes it feel completely different. Oh, yeah. So Just remix that pacing, and you're done. And yeah. the the prisoner scene, I think, is better done in the Japanese film because of mm-hmm. the blackout, and be, it be creates all of that drama. Yeah. And the prisoners, you know, get out, escape from that vehicle, and then, you know, like you said, they take the the tanker there and and then the cave-in scene we didn't mention that yet the cave-in and the sewer system or the subway system oh yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. That's fantastically right. done i i think the detail work in that looked great and the building stuff looks really great awesome in this movie. yeah i think all of it was really a lot of the this well done the special effects stuff the destruction scenes look great pretty solid and the early shots of the fishing planes are models and they look really good but then at the end of the film the japanese air force planes look like little small planes they looked like they were made out of wood and yeah, painted a solid <laughs> color that was bizarre they look really bad but the fishing planes were really models yeah and they look uh, if you see them in the movie you could basically think they were real planes like that's a really good effect so right on uh well we have been talking for quite a while so i think it's probably a good idea for us to move into our final thoughts on on uh on this film dave why don't you go ahead and uh tell me would you would you suggest this film, this version of this film, to somebody to watch? You know, I would in in especially if you're if you're just a Godzilla fan, because again, I think I mentioned this earlier, just for its historical context, and I think like you know part of that is like when it was released in the United States in 1959, it was a double feature with a movie called Teenagers from Outer Space, which any MST3K fans out there are going to remember. As one, uh, I mean, the Teenage from Out of Space would have made this movie look like Ben Hur. I mean, it was just <laughs> Teenage from Out of Space, terrible. And they both had this giant monster theme because the the giant crayfish silhouette from Teenagers from Out of Space. But I mean, when you when you take that when you take that into consideration, how the 1959 audience would have been excited by this movie, right? Um, even though it was, I think it was pretty much panned by a lot of fans and critics because of all these. Weird changes, the angerous sound, and the and the why are you calling him Gigantus instead of Godzilla? Yeah, and, yeah. You know a lot of a lot of these things. I still think that you know the introduction of Angerus, the um, the whole uh, you know starting the 
the tradition of monster on monster giant, you know, daikaiju films. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of exciting, you know, from, from those uh, standpoints. And while it sounds like the Japanese version is way superior, you know, it's, it's I think it's you know, superior with caveats though, yeah, because I, you know, essentially it's, 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 it's worth a watch. It's definitely both are it's worth, worth a 80 watch. minutes. It's worth 80 minutes. I'm really glad that Absolutely. I watched this version. So mm-hmm. how about you guys, uh, Brian, final thoughts? Um, yeah, I, 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 sorry, I kind of flustered there. My brain. That's okay. Blew out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I would really recommend the Japanese version over the American version. Right. Time. Right. Um, and yeah, it is, it is an interesting film in the last 10 or so years. I've really enjoyed it. And that's based on the Japanese version and then revisiting the American version for the first time in good Lord, almost 20 years today. Uh, the American version is really bad comparatively, but <laughs> it's also w- worth noting out if for, for a nerdy trivia sake, uh, that this is one of the few movies that has continuity outside of the Heisei series because Godzilla is in the iceberg still. At the beginning of King Kong versus Godzilla. Yes. So. Ooh. Yes, and I actually have a theory about him showing up in uh, Mothra versus Godzilla as well. That ties in to that King Kong. That ties into the end of King Kong. I would dig it. Yeah. I would go with that. Maybe maybe when we cover that. Yeah. Rachel, final thoughts. Well, I think it was it would be a movie that I would show both Godzilla fans and non Godzilla fans, um, mainly because of the human story that. Um, that had several different storylines going on with the guy with the fishing factory and um, his daughter and her love interest with uh, Sukioka and then and then the guy you know Kobayashi coming in at the end um, and his story and him getting killed I think all of that kind of makes it watchable for the non-Godzilla fan and then, of course, the Godzilla stuff creates the drama and the conflict. And I think that overall, it was really enjoyable for me. Uh, the Japanese version was the, and watching both was fun just to see the differences and to see how well made. I think it created a much greater appreciation for the Japanese version just because of how much the American version. Oh yeah, lacks and <laughs> is confusing at times as to why they Your did so kind. many things. But um, <laughs> but but I, I think that um, it, it's it's definitely a likable movie, and I I enjoyed it. Very cool. Well, my final thoughts are: I, uh, as I said, this is the first time I've ever actually watched the American version. I'm very glad that I've seen it because now I I know all these references that I've heard about. Uh, I can actually put into context some of the historical information that I know about it. And uh, it's it was still a fun movie to watch and, you know, riff on a little bit, but I would definitely suggest the Japanese version over it, even though, as I said, the Japanese one can be a, a little bland at times, not like the American one can. I would definitely show it to somebody. I agree with Dave. has a, a kaiju on kaiju action, you know, whole place in history and i would uh absolutely i would put this down unfortunately i'd put this down towards sort of like the bottom of the list as far as like where it stands in in the full godzilla repertoire but i i'd still appreciate things about it and uh it's a hell of a footnote yeah i i 
would I would definitely suggest watching it to people. And and I'm really looking forward to seeing the Japanese version again now that I've seen the American one. Uh, but we, like I said, we've been talking for a long time here. This is clearly going to be a long episode <laughs> because we got a ton of uh, homework turned in, and uh, this is how that went. By the way, a big thanks to everyone who submitted their homework for this film. We have broken a record with 25 user submissions. Uh, And the bad news, however, is that, you know, we are on a limited time frame here. And so I had to edit some of these down. But I'm flying solo here, so please forgive me. Eric thinks this film is truly a stink pile, depending on which version you watch. The American re-edit is just awful. The dubbing is atrocious, and the fact that Godzilla's roar had been changed and the monster's name had even been changed is just unfaithful to the source material. While the Japanese version is still better, he thinks it suffered from trying to mimic the original. And in trying to do so, all impact is lost. The introduction of Angulus was nice, and the effects were still decent, but the fights just seemed sort of off, and the whole sped-up touch added to the film just seemed silly. While this is a, de- a decent effort to make a good sequel, it ultimately fails to do anything for Eric, and is one of his least favorite films in the Godzilla series. John had previously only watched the U.S. cut of Godzilla Raids again, and the narration has always been a problem because it never ends. Classic media offers the Japanese version, but the film itself is in poor condition. As far as the movie goes, the pacing is slow, Angulus is a dull opponent for Godzilla, and the fight scenes are not handled well. That's not to say it was a total waste of time, though. Even though he doesn't care for this costume, Godzilla looks great in black and white, and he finds it interesting that the monster battle was not the climax of the film. John really enjoyed the side story involving the prison break going awry and how this disaster lures Godzilla into the city. Godzilla Raids again may very well be his least favorite Godzilla movie, but he can still find something of value in it. Unfortunately for James, Godzilla Raids again is one of his least favorite films in the Godzilla franchise. While there's certainly a number of things he likes about it, he'd be lying if he didn't say that he had a tough time staying awake through this one. He doesn't understand why the first international version of the film had Godzilla's name changed to Gigantus, and erased any trace of continuity to the original Godzilla. However, this film can be credited for giving Godzilla his first non-human opponent and a fairly decent monster bash. However, he was really surprised that their battle concluded halfway through the film. This film also introduces that familiar castle destruction that we see in a number of Godzilla films following this one. In between all the monster action, we have to sit through long periods of pointless dialogue and uninteresting characters, which is really a chore. Also, that scene involving the truck full of prisoners seemed to have literally no point or relation to the film whatsoever, and the ending dragged way too much for him. Finally, this has to be one of James' least favorite Godzilla suits. He's aware that they intentionally made the suit lighter as to allow for more maneuverability during the monster fights, but the disproportioned head and the smaller torso had him coming off as sort of an anorexic version of the original. The Angulus suit, on the other hand, was okay. Overall, he found this film to be incredibly lackluster and probably ranks in his bottom five Godzilla films, primarily because nothing interesting happens for long periods of time, and when they do, they're few and far between and only moderately entertaining. It pales in comparison to the original, and he would only recommend it for completionists. Godzilla Raids Again is one of Clyde's most memorable kaiju movies because he remembers watching it at least 30 years ago on the Weekend Shock Theater program on a Saturday afternoon. 
At the time, he was aware of Godzilla movies, the majority of them he had watched in color. But there there he was, sitting in front of his television, playing with a fire truck when his attention was diverted by the colossal battle of Godzilla and Angulus in black and white. The scene of two behemoths trashing the city as they fought stuck with Clyde. He had never seen this movie before and wouldn't see it again for another 30 years until he happily found it on Netflix. In his opinion, it really is one of the best kaiju brouhaha's there is because this is the one that started it all. Godzilla Raids Again was one of the earliest Godzilla films Troy saw, and so his review is influenced uh, by some nostalgia revolving around it. It was a quickly produced sequel and has its fair share of oddities, but being one of only two black-and-white Godzilla films, it does convey a certain appeal. The film has an oddly placed battle royale in the middle of the film rather than the climax. The sequence in the subway which traps the prisoners under a flood of water is particularly good and rivals many of the more creepy destruction of the original film. The suit appears to be the same suit from the original Godzilla, made only six months prior. Actually, it's not the same suit, uh, but I digress. uh, But of course, the Godzilla here is apparently a different one than the first film. The cast contains the great some great Kurosawa players, Shimura being the more obvious, including Minoru Chiaki, who had a prominent role in both The Seven Samurai and The Hidden Fortress. Uh, also, Yoshio Tsuchiya was also in this film, uh, who is also in uh, some of Kurosawa's films. And I'm getting back to the <laughs> actual discussion here. Some of the dubbing is done by actor Ki Luke, who is known mainly for his blind master in Kung Fu, but also dubbed the voice of Han, Bruce Lee's main nemesis in Enter the Dragon. The film was to be recut for American audiences to the same method of the first film, where both Godzilla and Angulus would attack San Francisco, and it was to be titled The Volcano Monsters, but it was never to be. Outside of a script written by Ib Melkor, who worked on Robinson Crusoe of Mars, uh, side note, for everybody out there, Melkor was also the screenwriter for both Reptilicus and Angry Red Planet, and he also directed Angry Red Planet. Check those out if you haven't. They're, they're kind of cool. All in all, the film doesn't have the colorful kitty appeal of the later sequels and doesn't exhibit the more intellectual tension of the prior film, so it falls into an unfortunate outsider category in the Godzilla series. But Troy still enjoys the film in spite of its faults, like hyperspeed monster fighting anyone, and so it remains a guilty pleasure in his Godzilla favorites. Jamie saw the Americanized version, Gigantus the Fire Monster, and hated the dubbing. Hated it with the heat of a million burning suns. The dubbing was racist and trying to give the actors really stereotyped accents, and they made Kobayashi into a bumbling oaf, maybe because he had a bit more body fat. Thanks to Warner Brothers' massive amounts of editing, he recognized the music that came from the Giant Mantis and other famous monster movies of the time. Also, the dubbed narration of Sukioka was nail-bitingly enraging. What Jamie did like was the fighting between the two monsters, as this was the start of the giant monster suit era. So uh, not only were they working with one guy in a suit, but two of them, and you can see the start of how such battles would later work out. Uh, He can only imagine how exciting and possibly scary it was to have the suit actors take a dive into the sea in the first scene where the two monsters fight on the island. The matte paintings and their use in creating scenes bigger than a soundstage still works, and the use of puppets to show more close-up action between the two monsters was definitely innovative. When buildings crumbled, you got a sense of their weight from the larger scale of the miniatures at the time. 
and there was also a nice sense of somber dedication by the employees of the fishing company to rebuild and move on that he found nice and shined through, despite the dubbing. All in all, Jamie needs to find the original so he can see what it was like without all that awful dubbing, terrible music, and heavy editing. Not to mention stock footage, dude. Godzilla Raids Again, along with Destroy All Monsters, were two films that eluded Brian in his childhood and always seemed to dis- seemed like distant holy grails. At last, in the early days of the internet, he managed to get a copy of Godzilla Raids Again through a tape trader. On the heels of the original Godzilla, this really feels like a lazy cash-in. The plot just isn't as interesting. You can only invest so much interest in a cannery. And uh, Osaka just doesn't quite compare to Tokyo. However, the monster suits are good overall, with the exception of Godzilla needing to visit an orthodontist. It's obviously a pivotal moment in the franchise history for Godzilla to face another kaiju. All in all, though, it just feels like a poorer version of the original film. The retread even gives us a character suicide to, at the end to stop Godzilla, much like Dr. Sarazawa before, but with double the eyes. Mark thinks that Godzilla Raids Again isn't a bad movie, even though the pacing is pretty slow in some parts. The plot was good, but he wishes the kaiju fights were a little bit longer. The monster designs for Godzilla and Anguirus looked good, and he liked the Godzilla suit's fangs. Mark watched the original Japanese version because the English dub version was so poorly done that even his nephew thought they did a bad job. He wouldn't use this movie to introduce someone to Godzilla movies, but it's a good second or third movie to show someone. Godzilla Raids Again is one of the few Showa-era movies that Jason did not see as a child and only saw it relatively recently. That said, he still really likes this movie. The fight scenes with Godzilla and Angerus are very engaging. The fast motion actually adds a dynamic feel to the action. The, pl- the human plot is not nearly as engaging as some of the other movies, but it's solid enough. But if you had to summarize his feelings, it would be Angerus debut. Joe hadn't seen Godzilla Raids again in a while. He used to have it on VHS, but never got it on DVD. On his first viewing, it was fascinating to watch because it was the only Godzilla film he had not seen as a child. However, once the novelty wore off, he found it was uh, it had very little rewatch value. Joe doesn't care for the Godzilla suit, and it really annoyed him that the sound editor seemed to have mixed roars between Godzilla and Angulus. He did like how Angulus was portrayed as a little more animalistic. One aspect of the film Joe liked is that the fight between Godzilla and Angulus was a little more like a fight between two reptiles, rather than silly wrestling slash karate anthropomorphic, hate that word, that's my kryptonite, anthropomorphic attacks, they were clawing and biting at each other, which (laughs) made the fight seem a little more like a dinosaur fight. While it might look silly at times, it seemed like a, a genuine fight between two monsters. To sum up, it's an interesting footnote for being Angulus's first appearance, but when he needs his Godzilla fix, it's way low on Joe's list. Outside the Box Reviews, who I don't have a name for, just Outside the Box Reviews, wrote in to say that Godzilla Raids Again is a movie he always feels that he should like a lot more than he does. Angulus has always been a, his favorite kaiju but upon re-watching this movie, he realizes that his love for the character comes more from Godzilla vs. Gigan than anything else. Uh, Godzilla Raids Again, or really Gigantus since he watched the dub, seems like a movie unsure of what it was trying to do, which really isn't too rare with quickie sequels. Son of Kong and A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 come to mind. 
The monster fights are well done, with the exception of the random high-speed scenes, but the puppet Godzilla head is, uh, is truly horrible. <laughs> Someone get him some high-tension wire braces. The human action was never really engaging. On paper, the idea of shifting the human focus from scientist and military to the everyday working man and uh, woman seems like it would be an interesting move, but the incredible level of happenstance that brings the two leads into the mix over and over comes across as forced. The nuclear war metaphor is hanging on here by a thread and doesn't come close to having the impact it did in the original film. This would probably be one of the last movies he would recommend to Godzilla Newbie, but there is some fun to be had here for here for fans. Uh, it's interesting to see the introduction of the versus aspect into the franchise, as well as the first film for Angerus. The dub is also a fascinating example of how not to dub a film. This one is for the hardcore fans only, but luckily they will start to get the formula right across the next few films. Dan G wrote in to say this is the second time he had seen this film. The first time was the American re-edit on a ropey VHS many years ago, but thanks to classic media, this time he was able to watch the Japanese version. His memory of the film wasn't very favorable. Consequences of the U.S. re-editing, he assumed, and hoped to come away with a better lasting impression of it after seeing the original edit. Nope. It's still a bit of a mess, and it all seems terribly rushed. It has a slight whiff of Sung of Kong about it. A sequel rushed out as quickly as possible to cash in on the success of the original, with some of the same names involved, but without any of the same time or care given to it. It's hard not to compare this with the original Godzilla film, as it set the bar so high, and this really doesn't stand up to it at all. There's nowhere near the, uh, as much threat or menace from the title creatures. The human characters don't have much in the way of pathos, and whilst the special effects are pretty good for the most part, the decision to film the monsters at normal and sometimes even increased speed instead of slowing them down to suggest their mammoth weight completely destroys any disbelief for the viewer uh, that the viewer tries to suspend. Dan noticed the full Godzilla suit, not just the puppet used for close-ups, was able to turn its head while it was wading ashore. Quite an achievement, as it wasn't until the Millennium series that Toho attempted this kind of suit agility again. The suit's face looked a little less threatening this time around, with its permanent smile and its looks slimmed down in comparison to the first film's suit. It was interesting to see the monsters fighting like animals, clawing and biting each other's, at each other's throats instead of doing judo rolls and flying kicks. One gripe Dan has with many of the Toho classic films is highlighted here to the point of absurdity. One sound effect is used for explosions throughout the entire picture, when you have several dozen rockets hitting a monster at once, or shots of the missile launcher firing frantically at something off-camera, it really grates on your ears to keep hearing the same sound effect repeated several times a second. Toho did this in many films, seemingly without criticism. He additionally noticed that one character was more concerned with his fish canning factory having been destroyed than the fact that two giant monsters had been responsible, one of which was still out there, destroying some more cities and potentially killing hundreds of thousands of people and, one assumes, crushing many other fish canning factories in the process. Godzilla's radioactivity is completely played down in this time around, and the atomic bomb metaphor isn't just missing from the U.S. print, it's not mentioned in the Japanese print either, barring one sentence explaining how Angerus was possibly reawoken. Dan watched a little of the U.S. re-edit before writing this, but had to switch it off, uh, and hopes that the only people that get to see this terrible re-edit are already converted kaiju fans. 
He wouldn't show this film to a first-time Godzilla viewer in either of its forms, as it would simply enforce the prejudices of the the uninitiated have about these films. Unconvincingly filmed monsters, terrible dubbing, and uninspired human characters. Godzilla Raids Again used to be Connor's favorite show, a Godzilla movie, but after watching it again, it has been replaced by Godzilla vs. The Thing. When Godzilla and Anguirus are fighting, they are moving a lot faster uh, than they should be, and then in the next scene, they're moving in slow motion. Plus, Godzilla roars like Angulus throughout the entire movie. Despite those things, he still likes the film. P.S. Is it just him, or did the captain of that army boat say, hop to it, a lot? Godzilla Raids Again was the second Godzilla film David saw growing up, the first being Godzilla 1985, and he loves the film to this day. He saw this after King Kong 1933 as a kid, which had his his mouth watering for another black-and-white monster brawl. And this did it. Being a little kid, David didn't notice all the flaws in the film, and while he can't deny them while watching the movie as a grown man, it doesn't bother him at all. Besides Godzilla, Angulus is his favorite Toho Kaiju and holds a special place in his heart. David just wishes he was used more in the movies. Sorry, Jeff, but Mothra is way overused. Let's get Angulus off the bench for a few films. The Mayor of Dinosaurs says that this movie has always been at the bottom of his list, but having watched the Japanese version, he's changed his opinion. The Japanese, while nowhere near the apocalyptic masterpiece the first film was, is still dark, serious, and decently put together. He loves Hidemi's view of the burning uh, Osaka in the distance and the scene where the final three convicts desperately attempting to escape the devastation was brilliant as everywhere they turn another building is falling and underground they meet their doom mike first became aware of gigantus the fire monster through ian thorne's godzilla book part of the monster movie series for some odd reason thorne made it clear that got the gigantus in this film was a female monster for yet another odd reason that pertained to this film alone and Godzilla was back to being a he in King Kong vs. Godzilla. This seemed weird at the time, and even weirder when Mike finally saw Gigantus and there was no reference to Godzilla's sex change whatsoever. Who knows where Thorne got that idea from. But from this viewing, uh, for this viewing, he watched both the English language and the original Japanese versions of the film, because Gigantus has so much in, in it that's worthy of comment. The first time he actually saw the movie, it was visually impressive. Of course, everything impressive about it is inherent to the original version and nothing to do uh, with anything that was brought to the table by the American film. He loved how the movie starts off with an atomic bomb footage. No, not loved, amused by that. This footage is presided over by narration that is, well, frankly, gibberish. And as soon as the narration is over, Key Luke comes on and narrates everything. And he does mean everything. This is uh, when we have the Yank sticking Angulus's roar in Godzilla's mouth for most of the film, and that's not the only time we see the monsters confused. One of the monsters is called Angurus, and the other is called a Gigantus monster of the Angurus family. On to the Japanese movie. Mike thinks that this might just be the most underrated Godzilla film in the series. Much of the monster footage is quite excellent. Even the sped-up fight footage looks cool. They do a good job of hiding the fact that Angulus is on his hands and knees. In fact, much of the time he isn't. The fight between the two, Kaiju and Osaka, is the highlight of the film, and Godzilla proves that he doesn't have to rely on his atomic breath to vanquish a foe. Mike did find it kind of strange that they attempt to hold Godzilla on the island with a barricade of fire. So Godzilla can be hurt with fire now? 
This is especially strange considering that the earlier that earlier in the same film they made it clear that he was attracted to bright lights and fire, not the classic that Godzilla 54 was, but a competent science fiction monster film from an era that had more than its share of them. Kent loves Godzilla raids again. The movie starts out fast but sadly does slow down after the Godzilla Anguirus battle battle in Osaka. While there are problems with the movie, effects, pacing, suits, etc., he has always been able to look past most of those shortcomings. He thinks the human drama is interesting enough to keep him locked into the movie and thinks the film overall is a bit underrated. He would recommend the movie to uh would he recommend the movie to a Daikaiju newbie? No. He would show them better films like Mothra vs. Godzilla and Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, for example, before showing them this entry. Not a terrible movie, but Kent believes the Japanese cut is a bit better than the U.S. edit. Dan R. enjoyed Godzilla Raids again. He knows some of his fellow G-fans really dislike this movie, and he will agree that it's not on par with the original, but it is still an enjoyable film. He watched the original Japanese subversion because of the heavy editing present in the American. He likes the relationship between the two main characters, Sukioka and Kobayashi, and they have a believable friendship, and he agrees with with me, Kyle, <laughs> that the scene with the flares that try and lure Godzilla away is very tense. There are, however, several things Dan did not like about this film. He found it jarring during scenes when the monsters, uh, with the monsters when they would switch back and forth between the men in suits and the puppets. He's also not a fan of them speeding up the footage several times when Godzilla and Angulus were fighting. On the positive side, he's impressed that upon the monsters' first appearances, they already have their roar and look worked out. Angulus changes only slightly over the years, and he'll chalk that up to Eiji Tsuburaya being a special effects wizard. Dan also very much enjoyed all of the snow scenes and thinks that the ending scene with Godzilla in the snow is fairly memorable. Overall, Godzilla Raids Again is a solid entry, even if it falls slightly short of the original. Robin has seen Godzilla Raids Again once before and hesitated before giving it another go. He's glad the kaiju cast was there to motion him forward with a well-needed kick in the pants, though, seeing as how he actually enjoyed the film a lot more than he thought he would. Godzilla and Anguirus both look really fierce and menacing, in part because uh, of the black and white of the movie. We don't have to sit around and wait very long for the first monster fight um, teaser, and there's a good deal more kaiju action throughout the film. What this movie really could have done without, though, is the constant voiceover narrating every little thing going on screen at the same time it's happening right before our eyes, making the movie roll more like a bedtime story than a film. He also didn't like the voice of the comic relief guy, Kobayashi. And what exactly did he hope to accomplish by ramming himself headfirst into Godzilla? The army had just failed with their massive airstrike uh, on the King of Monsters. As much as a stupid voice bugged Robin every time he opened his mouth, he felt his death was brushed away a little too quickly. But then again, so was the complete destruction of Osaka. Everybody just shrugged their shoulders and went on with their lives, stalling the movie before slowly building up to the final confrontation. As for deep-freezing Godzilla, he thought it was a creative and smart way of wrapping up the movie. Uh, kind of a plausible thing to do. The monster is properly defeated. It hasn't just wandered out to the sea to return again on a second's notice, eating fishing boats and trampling cities, and you could still unfreeze him in case of a sequel, which is much harder to do if the creature is completely disintegrated by, say, an oxygen destroyer. Robin would not show this movie to anyone new to the genre, but he did have a really good time watching it. 
Robert first saw this movie while he was working at the now-defunct Blockbuster. It was 2003, he had just seen GMK, which reignited his love for Godzilla and discovered a plethora of old Godzilla VHS tapes on the shelf. Godzilla Raids again was there, and Robert took it home, expecting similar awesomeness to the original. Boy, was he disappointed. Godzilla and Angulus were making the wrong noises. The original Japanese would probably have been more understandable than this awful dub. Banana oil? Really? The monsters were moving too fast, and the plot was moving too slow. The final battle is entertaining, but not as satisfying as having the Oxygen Destroyer. Once he got the classic media DVD, Robert was able to enjoy this movie a lot more. The movie's somewhere in the middle of his Godzilla favorite list now, simply because of the cheese factor. Both Matt and his dog Ashley think that between the Americanized Gigantus the Fire Monster and the original Japanese version, Godzilla Raids Again is clearly superior. That's in the Japanese version. The American version is a total train wreck. Don't watch it, ever, except for the part with the uh, epically goofy short film that the scientist shows the military brass early in the film. Godzilla Raids Again is a logical follow-up to Gojira. Uh, while Godzilla makes a broader statement about humanity's flaws, Godzilla Raids Again dials things down a bit and gets more personal. Both movies are great on their own, but are improved when considered in light of the other. Godzilla Raids Again is a hopeful response to the smackdown humanity received in Godzilla. The likable down-to-earth characters do their best in the shadow of a pair of giant monsters, living their lives as normally as they can. The movie could be a call to or reflection of greater Japanese confidence in the face of disaster. Godzilla is a dark movie. Godzilla Raids Again, on the other hand, shows a promising, though kaiju-filled, future. Paul did enjoy watching this film. To him, the fighting between Godzilla and Angulus is the most animalistic kaiju battle in any Godzilla movie. The one obvious issue has, he has with Godzilla Raids Again is that it pales in comparison to its predecessor. The original Godzilla is, in Paul's opinion, one of the greatest films ever made. Ah, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're down to the last couple. Andy writes in uh, that in his review of Jaws the Revenge, Robert Ebert called it a series of meaningless episodes of human behavior punctuated by shark attacks. That's pretty much That pretty much sums up uh, Godzilla Raids again. Just replace shark with Godzilla. Despite that, we do get some pretty good monster action. The showdown between Godzilla and Angulus is one of the best monster fights of the series. It was a more realistic, animalistic fight compared to the pro wrestling matches slash B-mores that we get in later films. While the Japanese version is a better movie than the American one, he prefers watching the American just so he can see that ridiculous dinosaur film strip comprised of stock footage from old educational movies. Not a great film, but not the worst. Andy scores it three oily bananas out of five. Adam notes that the fight scenes between Angulus and Godzilla are spectacular, with both of their fighting styles being more animalistic, as giant monsters should fight. It's just too bad that the fight scenes are let down by the rest of the movie, which uh, are let down by the rest of the movie, which seems to plod along. The American version is at least easier to sit through, and he quite likes the fact that George Takei got his start in the movie as a voice actor. Banana oil is such a lovely phrase, and he loves that the American version has American World War II propaganda interspersed throughout. Godzilla Raids Again, a.k.a. Gigantus the Fire Monster, is definitely not the greatest movie, uh, greatest Godzilla movie of all time. Oh my god, I did it, you guys. I read all of your reviews, uh, at least the edited down versions. And boy, I sure did it in one take. 
That's not true. Um, this this uh, section, I'm sure, has been heavily, 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 heavily edited. Uh, but you know what? Uh, all of that talking has really done a number on my throat, and I need a little bit of a break. And uh, so there appears to be an actual time shift here. I'm going to have a little bit of beer, and we're going to play another request. This one is from Brian, who uh, asked for the main title of uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King, Ghidra, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. And we're going to jump right into some news. We do not have a ton to talk about, which is probably good because uh, this episode has already gone on for way longer than anticipated. Uh, um, I'm not apologizing this time because we had a lot of fun talking about uh, Godzilla Raids again. Uh, what I'm not too happy about is all the post-production work I'm going to have to do. Grr. Okay, uh, so as far as news goes, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is that the newest episode of Sci-Fi Japan TV is online. This is episode 9, and they're talking with Shinichi Wakasa and Tom Kitagawa. If you don't know who those guys are, you're not familiar with those names... Uh, you should be, because Shinichi Wakasa has been building Godzilla suits for the Toho films for quite some time. I believe he started, uh, well, it actually says he, he started building some of the monster suits in the Heisei era. I'll let you discover all that for yourself. And Tom Kitagawa has played Godzilla. I want to say, I want to say he was Godzilla through Godzilla to, uh, through the entire Millennium series, with the exception of him uh, not playing Godzilla in uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra. Anyway, once again, it is a fantastic episode of the show uh, from Sci-Fi Japan TV and the Gaijin channel. Make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you subscribe to them on the YouTubes because uh, really, it's fantastic programming. If you've been paying attention to the Legendary Pictures Godzilla news, which I know a lot of people have, and I kind of want to stop paying so much attention to it, uh, because now there's lawsuits involved. Uh, there's a countersuit. Actually, uh, Legendary Pictures is countersuing Don Lim and the other producer 
It's it's all very back and forth. And at at this point, I honestly don't really feel like there's a person to root for. I really just wish it would get resolved so that something can happen. I think it's it might even be holding up uh, production or might potentially hold up production. I'll have a link in the show notes to that so you can read the article for yourself. Uh, and then uh, we're going to move on to the next next uh, news item, also from Sci-Fi Japan. Uh, Ultraman series director Toshihiro Iijima and Hiroko Sakurai, who played Fuji in the first uh, Godzilla, or sorry, first Ultraman series. It's been a long night, you guys. They uh, they attended an autograph signing in Japan, and uh, they had uh, someone on hand to take pictures and talk about it. So the uh, Sci-Fi Japan guys have an article all about that. You should check that out. Um, and especially if you're interested in Hiroko Sakurai and her signing autographs, you should be, be very, very happy about this next piece of news, especially if you're on the West Coast or if you like to travel for conventions because Monster Palooza, which uh, Jeff and I will be going to this year, uh, is going to have some very special guests from the Ultra Universe. Bin Furura, who was at G-Fest last year, he played Ultraman, and he also had a role in the uh, the the sort of science patrol team from Ultra 7, which I finally just got on DVD. He's going to be there. And so is Susumu Kurobe, who actually played Hayata, the guy who turns into Ultraman in the original series, and Hiroko Sakurai, who played Fuji in the original Ultraman series and also played um, my favorite cub reporter in Ultra Q. (laughs) She's going to be there too. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a really killer show. And uh, hopefully... We'll uh, come back with some really awesome either footage or uh, audio interviews. Who knows at this point what we're going to have from uh, Monster Palooza. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll have links into the show notes to all of those articles. And uh, let's say we move on to local events. So as you've heard me say before countless times, if you're near or in the Portland area over the next month or so, make sure you check out geekportland.com where uh, Kenneth Conklin has this amazing calendar filled with geeky stuff to do. Seriously, you cannot go, uh, you can't even go a few days without something nerdy and geeky and awesome happening in here in the city. Uh, and so here are a couple of items that I feel are pretty rad. Um, tomorrow, actually, hopefully this gets up in time. The 31st of January, Rift Tracks presents Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, this is Rift Tracks Live. It's a, they do it in actual movie theaters, and I think it's like piped in. I, I haven't ever done it, but I know Brian and Rachel did it. Maybe they can talk about it someday. Uh, n- moving on, it's <laughs> February 5th. February 5th at 7 p.m. Geek Trivia comes to McMiniman's Kennedy School, hosted by Court and, Fa- uh, Court and Bobby Roberts, I should say. And uh, on the 13th at 7 p.m., Kelly Sue DeConnick and Pete Wood are signing at the Portland Things from Another World for their new Avengers Assemble issue. On the 19th, Geek Trivia again at 7 p.m. at the Kennedy School. The 22nd through the 24th, and this is important information, uh, Wizard World is bringing their Comic-Con to Portland for Portland Comic-Con. And uh, not only... Are, is it going to be a comic book convention in Portland? Uh, its guests include Stan Lee, Bruce Campbell, Marina Bakarin, uh, Henry Winkler, Dean Kane, Michael Rooker, Norman Reedus, James Marsters, Juliet Landau, James Hong, Boom, Ashley Bell, David Della Rocco, 
Sean Patrick Flannery, Jason David Frank, Lou Ferrigno, Sarah Underwood, and a whole lot more. Uh, plus, I'll be at the show. Did you know that? I'm going to be at the show. Not only am I going to be covering it for press, uh, Keith Foster from Kadoja is coming up. And we're going to be hanging out at his table, which is table 803. So make sure you get your tickets uh, early because they're cheaper if you do that. And uh, come by and check out the Kodoja table. And uh, I'm going to have some some KaijuCast swag, I think, for sale. Uh, and then, let's see, there's some more stuff going on here. Also on the 22nd at 8 p.m., the Double Clicks and Kirby Crackle are playing together at Backspace. That's going to be pretty cool. On the 23rd at 7.30 p.m. and at 11 p.m., <laughs> there's going to be another Geeklesque performance called Geeklesque Gets Wild. Nope, that's not right. It's Geeklesque Gets Weird, and it's a Weird Owl tribute. Totally going to that. On the 27th, Will Wheaton versus Paul and Storm goes to the, uh, let's just say, the Will Wheaton versus Paul and Storm throwdown happens at the Alberta Rose Theater. Uh, I'll have links in the show notes to all of that stuff, so make sure you, uh, if you're in the area, you do that. And if you are in the area and you didn't see any or hear anything that, that uh, sounds awesome to you, First, you're weird. Second, uh, go to geekportland.com and see if there's anything up your alley. Uh, guess what? I've been talking for a long time. You can probably hear my voice is is getting a little a little froggy here. And not to mention, I kind of feel like I'm getting sick as I record this episode. So uh, there's a couple of little things I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, please do like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Tumblr. And we have a brand new video channel on YouTube. Uh, and Vimeo. So if you are members of either of those two websites, definitely check us out. I'll have a link in the show notes and I think on the sidebar as well to both of those video channels um, pretty soon if I don't have it. Anyway, these are supplemental videos that we're going to be making. I've got some really cool ideas for the show, just sort of like, you know, this is like bonus features in a sense, and I'm I'm hoping that you enjoy it. Uh, also, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast through iTunes or your other favorite podcast aggregator. Uh, and if you are, especially on iTunes, why not leave a review? You know what's awesome is when I get to see really uh, sweet, nice, awesome uh, reviews about the podcast. It warms my heart, uh, my giant nuclear heart. And uh, last thing I wanted to say before we get this show finished up is um, a massive, massive giant radioactive thanks go out to scott martin from hilltown kaiju for arranging the ad in g fan magazine you sir are a monstrous prince among men uh that is going to do it for this month and i need to go uh do some editing now huzzah uh and in the meantime i'm going to leave you with a track that i found at the end of the godzilla raids again soundtrack um this is not actually by Masaru Sato. This was actually by Takao Sake. No, Saiki? I don't know. I'm terrible at some things I've never read before. Uh, it was composed by Tadashi Yoshida, and it's called Gojira-san. So until next time, which would be February, Yamata. <laughs>